This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chels, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and I'm here with my good friend, Rahul. Today, we're going to start it a little bit differently, Rahul. Let's jump right into the Chelsea women, because they are iconic, and they've got another trophy under the belt. The first one of the new ownership you era, you could say. Uh, and what a way to do it, right? I think the last one was also under the Roman Empire uh, for the women, and the first one is uh, for the women as well. But truly well-deserved and uh, not a surprise, not something that we didn't expect coming into the season, but to do it three times in a row at some achievement. And to do it, I mean, we've led Man City the season before, Arsenal before that, and now Manchester United, who've been having a great season. Uh, takes a lot of character, takes a lot of, you could say, luck in certain cases, but also just knowing how to get a result in a final. And, and Sam Kerr uh, comparisons to Didier Drogba scoring Wembley goals and getting us across the line uh, does it once again. So congratulations to the women. Congratulations to Emma Hayes, who makes some history by uh, becoming the first manager to do it three times in a row. And when was the last time we lost an FA Cup game? That's a almost a trivia question at this it point. It really is. And just to echo what you're saying, congratulations. It's the three-peat now, three in a row. And I think we've been saying this all season. And maybe we haven't done due diligence of actually covering the women enough. I think we squeeze them in every here and there, but they've been fantastic. I know we covered them recently, unfortunately, when they fell out of the Champions League. But we said they would come back stronger and they would go on to win things and I know we don't always get our predictions right, but in this case, I think it was a safe bet to say that they could go on and do something. And yeah, they've done that. And I know you've got some insights from Matt's side that potentially you could share with us and maybe give us a little more light as to how the game went down and ultimately maybe a little bit about the celebrations as well. Yeah, so luckily for us, our good friend Ray was at the game. He was one of 90. Uh, thousand people at Wembley, which was a Incredible. record for a domestic women's match. Uh, and if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about the growth of the game, growth of women's football, soccer, whatever you want to call it in, in England, but also beyond. I mean, we spoke about CBS covering uh, the WSL, covering the Champions League. And in this case, ESPN here in the US had this game on. So uh, having access to it, Obviously, for fans that can make it helps. And and I know a lot of people, Jackie, a lot of Chelsea fans were tuned in, were yeah. watching and celebrating. And rightly so, because it's not just being there for the men's or the youth. It's also being there for the women's team who really are carrying the club at this point. And as Emma Hayes said, uh, we've had a rough season <laughs> as a club. It's not about which side, it's as yeah. a club. And this one was for Chelsea fans, which was great. So, uh Coming back to kind of a quick match report from Ray. And Ray, thanks once again. Starting 11 of Berger, Perisette, Mielda, Erickson, Charles, Cuthbert, Leopolds, Fleming, James, Kerr, and Wrighton. And we didn't have the best start. I think we were a little bit slow, sluggish. United came out a little bit sharper. 
they also came out a little more aggressive. If you've seen some of the clips and videos on, on social media, they were bumping into Sam Kerr, putting in some tough tackles. Uh, but she never actually fell for it. She never actually retaliated. She said, you know what, I'll do my talking by scoring. And ultimately she did. Uh, and you have to give credit to Manchester United. They've had a really good season. They've been a challenger for the title, which was not expected. They've made it to the final here. Uh, and so on a different day, they could have had a goal very early. Uh, 24 seconds in, there was a goal ruled off offside. Uh, and they did continue to create opportunities throughout that first half. But second half, Chelsea came came alive. Emma Hayes obviously got into them at halftime. Uh, Chelsea picked up the possession, were able to create a few more chances. But really, the the changing or the match-winning moment was when Pernilla Arder came on. Uh, she's been great the last few games scoring, but didn't get the start here, which kind of understandable because she's still coming back from injury. But she comes on, and Jackie, she really changed the game. She was a partner for Sam Kerr up top, ultimately provides the assist for her to score the goal. And... I think Sam Kerr needed that. She needed someone to be her partner, to feed her, to give her the opportunities. And it was almost building up to the goal where there were a couple of moments where the ball didn't go the way it should have or the pass came a little bit too late. But you could see what what we wanted to do when we made these substitutions. So it paid off. We hung on. Berger made a big save at the end. Uh, and it, it wouldn't be Chelsea if we didn't make it nervy and... and Scary at the end, but definitely uh, got there at the end. And once again, we're celebrating at Wembley. It gives me vibes of what a, a final should be like, which is cagey, which is tight. And you kind of figure out a way to maybe squeeze out a win. And I think you made the comparison to Didier Drogba, right? We find a way to squeeze a win. And I think Sam Kerr is her own entity. She finds a way to kind of be her own player. And and, and I think she would be happy to be compared to Drogba. But I think watching her and seeing that, iconic flip she does after she scores and <laughs> it's just telling you how excited and how elated and I think that's that's important to note as well right you went through the game it wasn't easy they grind out the result but what sticks with me is to do it three times in a row means the hunger is still there the desire is still there and so credit to them I'm really really impressed with them just pushing every season game after game after game and okay you don't have the same amount of games as the men's side but they really do put in effort and they go travel around europe around england get the job done and i think what better way just to continue winning trophies and like you said end the roman era and start the new era with the trophy i think it's it's fitting for them it absolutely is and you look back to some of the games after that barcelona result that we had it was a, a tight 2-1 against liverpool we won that right at the end but then it was 7-0 against Everton, 6-0 against Leicester. And you're almost thinking the way things have been going for the women's team is you kind of hit these highs and suddenly you have a yeah. low and then they bounce back. And and in this case, I guess the low is we only scored <laughs> once. Uh, but that's that was enough. And I think sometimes that's all you need to do is do enough, defend as a team and, and get across the line. So once again, congratulations. There's still three more games left in the WSL starting with West Ham. Arsenal this weekend and then Reading the following weekend. And if we get the right results in the next two, we should be closing in on yet another title. Yeah, and that would be exciting to just add to the top and go for the double. I know it's going to be incredibly difficult. We're, we're running up against likes of Manchester United, who are at the top right now. Obviously, we have a game in hand, but you bet that they're going to want to do, do this right and try and push us to the finale. But listen, if we just keep doing what we're doing, just getting the wins, if they're 6-7-0, I'm not going to complain. 
But if we're squeezing out one nails toward the end of the season and getting the results, I think that's the most important thing at this point in time. But before that, celebrate, enjoy the moment. It's a three-peat. I think that's the most important thing. Then you come back to work next week and hit the ground running. Absolutely. And uh, some, not to kind of bring us down from a high, but some news coming out of, transfer news coming out of the rumor mill is uh, our captain, Erickson and Pernilla Arder are rumored mm. to be leaving the club at the end of the season. And um, I don't think we can let either <laughs> one of them go. You see you see the impact she has an attack. Pernilla Arder has an attack. And, and Erickson, I mean, she's played left back. She's played center back. She's kind of been ever present. And she's the captain. So... Uh, I really hope that the rumors are just rumors because you want these players to stay within the squad, especially because uh, we're building towards that Champions League. And I think having this experience of the last two years where we've kind of fallen short against Barcelona with those two players in the squad, I think will will help. But you always got to trust Emma Hayes and trust the club to make the right decision. And hopefully uh, the players make the right decision. Yeah, and I think hopefully winning encourages them to stay so that makes their decision a lot more easier we know that a winning squad is always easier to stay in than and the non-winning squad so let's see how that plays out but exciting times nonetheless hopefully the last three games just go positive absolutely but moving on from this high to i guess an okay not it's on a low because we didn't lose but nottingham forest jackie uh chelsea got hunted in the forest <laughs> this time around and Coming off a Bournemouth win, I think you and I were maybe too optimistic and, and positive with our predictions, with our hopes. Uh, but Nottingham Forest showed up and, and showed up in a way that I think we all mm-hmm. expected, but maybe on a different day we we see it out, but it just wasn't to be. No, I think it's one of those games where you're correct. We predicted they were going to be scrappy, they were going to fight, but... I think it's the problem that's been the problem all season long is we don't find a way to bury enough chances. Okay, we scored two, and we'll we'll break down the game in just a minute here. But ultimately, on paper, I think we could have scored three, four, five and put this game to bed. And we'll talk about defensively later because we want to talk about the changes that Frank Lampard did. So maybe we run into the starting 11. Yeah, so let's, let's do that. We've got... Mendy and Golan, and I know you see me smiling because I've been asking yeah. for this. Uh, and in about 13 minutes, in <laughs> I had my answers. But Mendy and Gol, Chalaba, Thiago Silva, Badishele, and Lewis Hall, Jackie, with Ben Chilwell and Kukurea out. Lewis Hall mm-hmm. gets an opportunity. Kovacic comes back. We've got to talk about Angolo Kante most likely being out mm-hmm. for the rest of the season with an injury. Enzo Fernandez, Gallagher in the midfield three. Madueke continues to feature, which is good. Jao Felix comes in as the center forward and Raheem Sterling on that left side. Yeah, so I think Frank is sticking to this 4-3-3. Maybe we found some rhythm here, although we didn't win the game. But I I, I like (laughs) to see the 4-3-3. I think we'll talk more about managerial changes towards the end of this episode because that's important to cover as well. But no, fine with that. You said there's some injuries. we got to go through that. Let's dissect Mendy first. For the longest part of the season... He has been injured. He went in for surgery. In my opinion, Kepa has been fine. And notice I said the word fine. I don't think he's been world-class <laughs> at any point in time. But he has stepped up and been a new, a rejuvenated Kepa that has helped us when we need him. 
And all along, you've been in my ear and maybe in some other forums you've been talking about, <laughs> well, if we had Mendy in this particular situation and Mendy in that particular situation and he's six foot five and his height would help. So <laughs> I kind of build the roadway for this conversation to start. Was it too soon for Mendy to come back? Just jumped into a game where we knew Nottingham were going to kind of be doggish and rugged and try and get the goals or is it just Mendy being Mendy? Well, it seems like he waited, he being Lampard, waited till we had secured our position <laughs> in the league and then said, you know what, let me make some changes with with the goalkeeping. I don't think it was too soon. I know he's been back for pretty much the whole time Lampard's been here. So uh, he's been available. He's been ready. Um, and better to do it in a home game mm-hmm. against maybe a team that you're expected to win versus maybe a Man City away or United away. Uh, coming up so no i don't think it was too soon but maybe he's rusty maybe he hasn't featured or or you know hasn't he hasn't definitely hasn't featured but uh what i'm trying to say is just that mar- uh, match sharpness fitness and coming into a game where they have a monster of a striker up front uh, even tiago silva suffered and 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 struggled to deal with him um I don't know. It, it, it definitely is a question that we need to kind of answer moving forward is who is going to be the goalkeeper, not just for the next three games, but even beyond that. Yeah, and I want to talk about Mendy later on the segment. Rahul, I alluded to a new manager coming in, and I'm trying to tease what we're going to talk about later on in the in the episodes. But yeah, I mean, I don't think he was good enough. That's just my straight, raw opinion. I think I've been used to Kepa, and I know what to expect from Kepa. And the Mendy I saw, maybe I was expecting the Mendy of the Champions League season run, right? Where he was probably one of the best best goalkeepers on earth. And I think we had said that, like, sign this man for a long-term contract. He's undefeated. He's going to be brilliant. But really after that, the drop-off has kind of been coming. You kind of see it in stages where he's just not the same goalkeeper that we saw in that Champions League run. I'm not saying he's a horrible goalkeeper. That's not what I'm saying. But I just don't think he's the level that we want anymore at Chelsea Football Club. And that's not disrespectful. I think Mendy is a fantastic guy and he's been quiet and he's been respectful as he and Kepa's battle for number one. But we can debate that a little bit later. Let's talk a little bit about Lewis Hall, Rahul. Young man, we've seen him a bit in the in the season with Potter, with Tuchel. What did you make of him? Do you like him at left back? Do you think he's got a future with Chelsea? I definitely do like him. I think he brings a little bit of a, a, a refreshed attitude approach mm-hmm. uh maybe defending is is a little bit uh something that he needs to improve upon but attacking i think he does yeah. well it almost seems like he does better with the back three because it allows him to progress mm-hmm. and and maybe the defensive side of things uh gets help with the the center back but i i thought he did well i think uh, he did well in the circumstances that were presented in the fact that he just had to be the one that played that position. It could have been Aspie, but I think Lampard preferred the the pace and the youth. Um, he didn't do anything wrong. No. He just didn't do anything that kind of sticks out to me, which I guess is okay because it was another one of those games where we weren't at our mm-hmm. best. We weren't the team that really deserved to walk away with the points, uh, you could say. So... I guess he was average, and and that's okay because that's how the season. And been. he's eighteen, nineteen. I think there's more room to grow, and we know Rahul. He's more of a central midfield player, and he's 
filling right. in at left back. So I've been pleased with his performances. I do think he has a decent cross and he has some tenacity to get up on that wing. So I can't criticize the young man too much, but I want to flip over to the other side of the pitch and I want to talk about these three players, Chaloba, Gallagher, and Madueke. That entire first half, Rahul, that entire first half, I think everything came from the right-hand side between Chaloba, Conor Gallagher, and Madueke. I think they were just maybe being the creative force that we needed. Everything was flowing through them. Madueke, I'm now coming and singling him out, and I'll come back to Chaloba because I thought he was absolutely impressive at right back. But Madueke seems to be growing into this position, maybe making it his own. I know the end product might still be the issue for many Chelsea fans, but he's exciting, man. I'm at the bar with the Houston Supporters Club, and every time Madueke gets the ball, I'm getting off my seat. I'm getting a little bit excited, and that's what I want. That's what I want from my wingers is get me excited. Get me a little bit like we can do something here, and then final product, I think we'll cross that bridge next season. Yeah, I I think he's been a breath of fresh air. I think we've lacked his directness. We've lacked his ability to kind of take players on, dribble through, and and just bring that pace that we've missed maybe with the likes of a Hakim Ziyech and uh, others that have played down that right, or even a Jao Felix who right. maybe ends up playing on the left and we have to push someone else on the right. So uh, one of the positives you could say in this Lampard period has been Madueke. And, and I think that's credit to Madueke, but also to Lampard to kind of continue to play him and give him the confidence. And and maybe it's not playing full ninety minutes at this mm-hmm. point, just like the end product isn't there. But this is he's good. I think he's going to end the season feeling good and positive about what's come uh, next season and beyond. I'm going to save some of the players that I want to talk about later on because it's going to be linked to the manager in the segment that we're going to talk about. But really quickly, Chaloba, Badiashile, Lewis Hall. Gallagher, Madueke, those are young players, in my opinion, or younger players. And I think that's what we know of Frank Lampard. That's what we realized he had done for us in the first season and and in a little bit of a second season is he found a way to trust the younger guys and bring them through. And so if anything positive comes out of this, other than survival, of course, we can't knock that back because we were having a horrible time. But if anything positive comes from this is some of these young players are getting to be on show and getting a chance to show what they can do as well. And for that, I know it's not been an easy season for Frank, but I'm thankful for that at the very least. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that was part of what we expected when Lampard came back was we'll see some of these youngsters. You could say that we haven't seen enough of Mudrik, but honestly, from what we've seen, he's been good. But all of a sudden, now you're competing against a Raheem mm-hmm. Sterling who scored twice in this game, uh, Madueke, who's who's continued to perform in it's just co- competition of places. And, and if you're not really performing, and it doesn't always have to be about right. goals or assists, but even when you see Madueke, you, you feel like something's going to happen. Something's going to be a difference in, in what he's doing. I just haven't seen that from Mudrik. And, and I'd like that to happen before the end of the season just for him. Uh, but at this point, I think it's it's going to be a struggle for him. But I think from, from Lampard trusting Chaloba and Badashile and Madueke and Gallagher, uh, who I think divides opinion. It's what you want. You want to see the youngsters perform and have the opportunity. And if they maybe impress the the next guy coming in, they stay. Or you know, you, you impress someone else in the league and and you move on on a loan or a permanent basis. Exactly that. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Is with FFP, if some of these guys are not going to stay with us, there's a chance of them to kind of be on show and then maybe make a big move. But 
let's talk a little bit about the first half, Rahul, and kind of transition into that. I know we've we've alluded to it here and there, but I thought we started off okay, and I thought we were going to maybe get the result. I know that's a little bit early in the first half to to make that decision, but we seemed up for it, but so did Nottingham. And I think maybe there's a little bit of a, a shock when their their striker, I want to say his name correctly, Awanigi, was able to get that goal in the 13th minute. And I think, let's talk about Mendy for a little bit minute here, because as much credit it is to him to getting that goal, I feel like Mendy kind of got lost in the mix there. What, what's your thoughts? Because you've been a Mendy supporter or, or trying to get him back <laughs> into the mix for the longest time. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it was... It, he shouldn't eat that easily just get a, a header on goal. Uh, and then when he does, you expect your goalkeeper to either get there before him or get something on the on the ball. But Mendy's just caught in no man's land, as they say, and he just makes it easy for for the striker. I'm not even going to try to say <laughs> his name, who's 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 a monster. Yep. Like I said, he's he's tall, he's athletic, he's he's muscular. Uh, and I think he kind of pops up between Thiago Silva yes. and Badashile. And, and and you when your center backs are struggling and then your goalkeeper makes an error, you're most likely going to concede a goal. And that's what happened. Uh, and that's what's been the case this season, Jackie. You said we had a decent start. We did. But when you make mistakes like that and you let a goal in, that's just inviting more pressure and giving the other team belief, especially in the position that they are in. Yeah, and that's what, that's what we can kind of hold our hat on and say maybe we could have done a little bit better. Maybe we could have pressed them a little bit differently and say, stop the first ball coming in or go through that. But I want to give a little bit of credit to Nottingham and maybe their their manager as well. I think for the whole season, the young man that's been playing has been Brennan Johnson. I know because he's in my fantasy team and he's helped me get some points, but I was surprised to see Awaniyi come in and, and score the goals. But maybe tactically, Rahul, it made sense. He was big. He was causing trouble, like you said, for Thiago Silva and Badiashile the whole game. He kind of got in Mendy's head because Mendy clearly has the advantage as far as height goes and maybe reach. But he just had that physical presence that distracted us the entire game. And we'll talk a little bit more in the second half about the other goal. But realistically, I think this is a discussion where it comes to finding the right fit, right? You can talk about Kepa and say... He's not got the height, but he's a great short, shot stopper. Mendy comes in because he's got the height and he can do X, Y, Z. It's just difficult to find the right fit. And it's going to be a, a, a discussion for the summertime as to who stays and who goes. Maybe both stay and we don't have a discussion to have at this point in time. But difficult moment for us because I thought we would be able to build on the Bournemouth game and kind of go from there. But nonetheless, I can't remember too much more happening in that first half. I know we had a couple of chances here and there, but nothing that stood out to me. Yeah, not, nothing particular. I think maybe a cross from Lewis Hall and Joe Felix gets a header on goal, but nothing else in, in particular. I think we huffed and puffed and maybe uh, Forrest could have scored a second, uh, which I think is credit to us. We didn't let that happen uh, because that would have definitely killed the game. And and that one nil down at halftime, you almost expect a reaction, and and that's what we got. But before we get into that reaction, let's take a quick message from Fubo TV. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the U.S. and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Network's broadcast Premier League. Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? 
Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. Moving on to the second half, and Jackie, it was we said we expected a reaction, and, and I think we got that. I think we were uh, the better team. We started off a lot sharper. There were some tweaks within the, the tactics and, and Chalaba pushing forward. Uh, but let's run through our equalizer, which comes four or five minutes into that first half. And I think that was a perfect time for us to score because mm-hmm. the longer that went on at 1-0 to Forest, I think we would Stanford Bridge would have gotten nervy. I don't know if, if we at home would have because um, we, we've kind of seen the story, not that Stanford Bridge ha- hasn't, but uh, you just get a different feeling within the stadium. But getting that goal, goal uh, which I'll kind of run through it, Enzo gives it to Chalaba, Chalaba gives it to Madueke. And what I really liked was Chalaba continued his run into the box. He gave an option to Madueke, who was who was really wide. Chalaba makes the run through midfield into the box for uh, the forest box, and then he cuts it back. And I'm almost like, is this Reese James? Have I seen <laughs> the second coming of Reese James? Uh, and I'm only kidding, right? But I think that's the difference is we let someone kind of drag players out of position. We let mm-hmm. someone kind of make a run into the box, which allows other players to to do the same and and be on the receiving end of it is Raheem Sterling, who hits it off of the, the Nottingham Forest defender, I want to say. And it goes in. And sometimes that's all you need is that little bit of luck to get that belief flowing. That's really all we needed. But I want to spend a few minutes on Chaloba. I think, can we return Malagusto to Leon at this point and save some money? <laughs> let, okay, let, uh, let, let, <laughs> let's talk over. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But to be honest with you, right, Chaloba has played this right back position a few times. And I think he's been okay. It's not been stellar. He's not been out of this world. He's been acceptable. And I think that's a fair term to describe him. But this game shows me that Chaloba has another level and another area of growth that he can get into. I'm not saying that he's going to be a right back for the rest of his career. It's really up to him and some coaches how they kind of mold him. But Rahul, he showed me he has the engine, he has the desire, he has maybe the presence of mind because you find a center back up far high that on the pitch and they just kind of smash it across. But Chaloba kind of gets his head up and he looks for a pass and he picks out Raheem very, very nicely. Okay, Raheem does his part to kind of step back and, and finish it and get get a good opportunity there. But I was very impressed with the young man, especially for a player that's just been lurking in the shadows all season. He's kind of in the mix of this whole by new center backs, Chaloba, <laughs> who's been there, but you're not going to get enough game time. And he's, for the most part, I haven't seen him complain or say much negative. He's not been in the news he keeps his head down. He trains. He gets his opportunity on the Frank. And honestly, what better way to grab an opportunity with both hands? And I think we said this in the first half is Frank's playing some of the youth, and that's great. If they end up staying with Chelsea, they've shown that they deserve to be here. If they don't end up staying with Chelsea, it's good for us because they're showing what they can do. But it's good for them because maybe a team that wasn't looking at you is now looking at you and saying, Trevor can play center back, but he can also play right back or fill in a right back when I need him. There's so many teams that would be like, we have a player that can do a double role. Let's go out and get that guy and his value goes up. I'm not saying I want to sell Chaloba, but very, very impressed with the young man. And Raheem, listen, back to what you said, you need a little bit of luck, whether that comes off a deflection, whether that comes off a great pass. It doesn't matter where we are in the season. We'll take what we can get. I think the the comments on Chaloba were were spot on. And, and towards the end, you said other teams needing a player that can fill in different roles. 
we I think we need that too. You and I grew really up watching do. watching the prime Jose Mourinho teams where any player in any position could play anywhere else on the pitch, yeah. even goal, including John Terry, who did that against uh, <laughs> against Reading, if I'm right. So uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I think we we hold on to Chalo, but as long as he's okay with this utility squad player right. role. Uh, because we know Reese James has has uh, injury issues. We know Malagusto is just coming into the league and most likely will need some time to settle in. Uh, and yes, we don't have Champions League games next season or any European games for that matter, but we still have the Cups and we, we want to be competitive when we want to fight. So having someone like a Chalaba that can play center back, but also right back and provide the output that we need going forward and also yeah. defensively, I think is a is a great feature and 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 someone to have within the squad and Raheem Sterling. I'm, I'm sure you'll ask me to eat some humble pie on the second goal uh, and have a response <laughs> ready for you. But that's where Raheem Sterling comes alive, especially yeah. with the first goal is in the box. You you kind of give it to him, and nine times out of ten he scores that. Unfortunately for him and for Chelsea, it's been that one time that's gone far too many times for Chelsea this season. But again, it was he gets it, he connects it. We got a little bit of deflection from from the defender, but we needed that. I, I think you look at Loftus Cheek's reaction when that ball hits the net. Who was closest to the to the goal? He kind of pumps the air, and and everyone celebrates as as a team. Uh, and I think that's when the team kind of felt that okay, we we are in this. We can get something out of this. Not that they doubted it, but you always need that goal, and and that kind of gave us that going forward. Because if you move forward from that. We were pressing them high. We were kind of pushing the the agenda. I think Joe Felix hits the the bar or pulls a, a great save out of yeah. Kaylor Navas uh, before we kind of end up getting the second goal. But before we do that, Jackie Loftus Cheek didn't start the game. Came in as a, as a substitute in the first half, right at towards the end of it. What did you make of him? I think he almost added added what Kovacic wasn't doing in that midfield. I've been disappointed with Kovacic, first of all. I think I expect a lot more out of him. And I know we don't get a lot of goals from Kovacic, so that's not it. But the typical Kovacic of driving and dribbling with the ball, we haven't seen much of that this, this season, Rahul. And I think it's fair to say that most of the players have been below their level this season. But Kovacic, who I expect to be maybe a leader, maybe somebody who can help kind of usher this team together and say, look, we're not having a good season. Let me do something on the pitch to help. It hasn't really worked, and I think he's used to maybe being in the Real Madrids of the world and the Inters of the world and the Chelsea Champions League winning seasons of the world where things are going well. And so with the season being as bad as it is, unfortunately, I've not been pleased with how everything has gone with Kovacic. Unfortunately, he gets injured. I never like to see a player gets injured, but Ruben Loftus-Cheek, it's so hard to talk about Ruben Loftus-Cheek because it's always the second coming of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He has a good game. Every now and then we said, that's the Ruben we want consistently. We don't always get it. I'm not going to talk about keeping him or he's been brilliant or he's going to be brilliant for us. But for this particular game, he did what we expected out of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He showed his physicality. He drove, which might lead us into the second goal here. But he carried that ball and he drove it forward, which is what 2018 Ruben Loftus-Cheek was, that Maurizio Sarri Ruben Loftus-Cheek that we all fell in love with. That's what we love to see is his physicality and his pace just dragging that ball forward and making things happen. Absolutely. And and you said let's his ability to drive and, and take the ball forward, which is part of the reason we get that second goal. It's It also comes down to us being physical, pressing them and forcing kind of a mistake in, in midfield. 
And then Loftus-Cheeks kind of progresses it forward, gives it to Raheem Sterling, who, to his credit, did really well because you could be tempted to take that first time. He cuts it back and then bends it into the far corner, which was a lot more difficult to do than, yeah. than maybe just taking it first time. So, again, credit to him. And you could see Raheem Sterling was feeling it at this point. He was like, this is one game where I feel like I... I I belong here. I, I want to make a difference. And I was impressed for the first 60 minutes or so. Oh, well, I guess the first second 40 to 60 minutes or so 20 minutes or so. So is this where we talk about Raheem and kind of dissect what's going on with Raheem and, and maybe even the interview that he had recently for, for the news, I forget exactly which station it was, but I have to agree with you. I think, Raheem has been one of those players that's been extremely frustrating this season. And honestly, 42 million, 43 million, I forget the exact number, coming in from Manchester City, scored goals for fun. Of course, it was Manchester City. Was I expecting 30 goals this season? No, but 10, 12 easily by this time. It's not been an easy season for anybody, but you expect the quality that he brought and the experience that he brought would help us get through this. I don't think we've seen that. But in this particular game, Raheem steps up. Rahul, that finish was beautiful, like you said. He had the composure. He had the mind to say, if I shoot it, maybe they'll save it. But you can see the confidence flowing back into him. And it's a little bit of credit to winning against Bournemouth and maybe some credit to Frank. I know we've been harsh on Frank, but some credit to him there as well. <laughs> but with regards to Raheem, coming back to him... He had an interview before the game, and maybe it was a little bit earlier, somewhere along the lines of the next manager for Chelsea needs to have total control, and we've been not performing well, and we can do better, and I want to do better. And, and I think he's alluding to, it's a big contract, I need to stay here, I need to do what I need to do. But it's, he's saying all the right things and doing all the right things, obviously with scoring two goals. I repeat, you've been very analytical of Raheem Sterling, you've been very negative of Raheem Sterling, and I'll be the first guy to say he's not my favorite player on the Chelsea pitch, but are you eating humble pie today, my friend? You know, I was expecting this question, and I do have to break it to you and, and the listeners that I am off desserts, so no. <laughs> <laughs> We're staying away from the pie today. I understand what you're saying because while you're on a health kick, and I love that for you, I think I need to join you on the health kick. I think... In speaking in real terms, he hasn't been consistent this season. And so maybe the expectation from you is he can go from here and build from here and kind of do something for the rest of the season going into next season. Yeah, look, we we knew what we were getting, an experienced international, someone that knows the league in and out. Maybe my criticism and my feelings toward him are a little bit harsh. And I, I can admit that because... This season has been bad for everyone. This season yeah. has been chaotic. You touched on it. I mean, him him saying that the manager coming in needs to have total control tells you everything you need to know what's going on, gone on behind the scenes. Uh, but even then, in moments where you are on the pitch, you are one of the leaders within this squad. And not maybe not the experience as Chelsea player, but in the league and in, in winning titles and, and being a player that's gone to the World Cup and things like that. Uh, I haven't seen enough. And... This game, I did see the passion. I saw that he cares, and and I'm sure he does. Uh, but maybe a lot of the off-field stuff has influenced it, and and I'm hoping that we come to see more of it next season. What we saw in this game, mm -hmm. because he can inspire the likes of a Madueke, he can inspire the likes right. of a Mudrik, and 
and kind of help these guys and anybody else that's coming into the attack uh, with settling into the league and, and just adjusting to playing with Chelsea and playing with him and, and doing the right thing. So uh, I'm not eating pie today, but maybe I will next season and, and that will be in celebration for better things to come for Chelsea. Uh, but let's talk about their equalizer and unfortunate event. They have a corner. The ball kind of gets knocked. We do okay to to clear it out, mm-hmm. but it comes right back in. And who else but the monster, the striker that we've been talking about for Nottingham Forest who gets his head to it. And it's 2-2 out of nowhere. It really is. And I'm not blaming Mendy for this one. I think it's maybe the lack of urgency from our team or maybe our defenders went to sleep. I'm not sure what the right answer is. I think you look at it and you go 62nd minute after we've scored in the 58th minute. It's kind of frustrating. I think the easiest way to say is that we went to sleep because we were not poor and you could say, okay, Chelsea, go on and get this game 3-1, 4-1 and just bury it. And we did that against Burnmouth and maybe we were lucky to do that against Burnmouth, but Nottingham is another team fighting for survival and said, you know what, we're going to lock it down at the back, but try and squeeze one up at the at the other end. And they do that. But I, I don't know what to say other than this is this is Frank Lampard's football. I'm finally seeing Frank <laughs> Lampard's football. We're scoring goals, but we're conceding at the other end. I don't want to say if we had Kepa in goal, we, we saved that first one and we're 2-1 and the game's over. But the team as a whole need to look at themselves and say, now we're finally getting goals in the opposition's net figure it out to stop bleeding goals. And and maybe that's what it's a theme for the rest of the season. I don't want to talk about the next team we're playing because I'm not sure if we score against them. But <laughs> for this particular game, I wouldn't say that it's the worst result for Chelsea given the season we are, but it's a little bit disappointing because we couldn't build on where we were. And and that's what we, at this point, can do is just build upon things and, and a result like Bournemouth. But at, at what where we are and how things have been, we could have easily lost this game. So you do have to look at the positive that we didn't lose it. We kind of maintained and and, and held on uh, for a two-two, which ultimately I think you as you could as the game progressed, you could see both teams were okay with because Nottingham Forest weren't dropping three points; they were picking up a point. Yeah. And for Chelsea, it really didn't matter if we won or drew uh, because we're staying in the league, but difference between 11th or 10th is is not really much right. uh, and ultimately the game kind of see, sees itself out uh there was one moment jackie towards maybe the end of the second half where the camera turns to frank lampard but right behind him you see a christian pulisic and i don't know if you picked that up at the bar but you see him he's kind of got his his head in his hands and he's kind of like rubbing his face and he looks down and he looks away another game where he doesn't come on and he seems to be fit. I think the biggest thing we've we've said in the past is he's never fit. He has been mm-hmm. fit. He has been available. We haven't seen him, seen him come on. Any thoughts on that and why that may be? It's tough, Rahul. We have a huge squad. And I know that Lampard is trying to get minutes for the guys that he trusts. In fact, we see Hakim Ziyech recently. And Hakim Ziyech maybe helps us get the winner against Bournemouth. And he comes on in this game. So it's a very difficult position to be in. You you know what Graham Potter suffered through. And Frank is coming through a similar situation now. But he's opting to go for youth. Listen, Madueke is on a, a six, seven-year contract. You've got Mudrik on a six, seven-year contract. Jao Felix loan is over. So maybe you're trying to see if you're going to convert him to full-time the likes of Kovacic and others are potentially looking to leave the club. So maybe he's playing the players that he can see that have a future with Chelsea. I'm not saying that Pulisic does not, but 
everything leads to the fact that this may not be where he is for long term. I don't know what Mauricio Pochettino thinks, and we'll talk more about him here in a few minutes. But we'll see how that plays out. It's just a tough situation to be in to fit all of these players in. It, it is. It certainly is. But I I'd almost hope that in some cases we'd at least see him for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, because, yes, Ziyech did it in the last game. But the biggest complaint we have is that with him is consistency. And and I actually mm-hmm. commented on someone's post about Ziyech getting a, a rating of NA just because he just didn't have enough time. And I'm like, he really should have gotten a negative because in this game we saw the Ziyech that we don't want to see where... Mm. I think he tried, but there was a couple of moments where he kind of lost the ball or he just didn't seem inspired like he did in the last game, which is weird to say. Uh, but again, it's... it's And maybe I'm just... With the options we've got, I'm just like, well, maybe a Pulisic would have done better. Maybe like similar to what I've been saying for Mendy. So, <laughs> so what do I know, right? Uh, but ultimately, it's a 2-2 draw and, and that kind of ends... Uh, the game there we are currently sitting in i'm just trying to pull up our table i believe it's still 11th which yep, we're still in 11th and 43 points with uh, fulham ahead of us with 51 points and honestly crystal palace right behind us but we do have a game in hand so i'm not sure how we win those games in hand but listen i think you said it best the difference between 10th 11th 12th at this point it's not going to matter too much for chelsea it definitely isn't but that's that's the take on Nottingham Forest. Uh, let's talk about some news that came out. I believe it was Sunday or later on Saturday, actually, with Fabrizio Romano and a lot of the other journalists reporting that Chelsea have now agreed uh, terms with Pochettino. He is going to be the next manager. Still is not official by the club. Uh, but once Romano says those three words, you know most likely it's going to happen. Uh, Jackie Pochettino, I know he's not your first choice, maybe not even your second or third, but he is going to be the manager going into next season. I'd love to get your thoughts, and and then we can move into the city predictions. I've given it a lot of thought and maybe processed it from not a Chelsea fan's perspective, being more of a football fan's perspective. And I say, first of all, I love that the club took their time to vet everybody. I think the Graham Potter one... While I I have a lot of respect for Graham Potts, I know it didn't work out for him at Chelsea, but I felt like he was queued up before Thomas Tuchel was even let go. And you find that difficult to believe because our owners were just entering the football market or to them, the soccer market, right? So how do you know if he's the right guy for the job and how is this going to work? They've got their directors in place. They've got footballing-minded people in place. They've interviewed, from what we can tell, four, five, six maybe managers. We don't know all the names or maybe they made phone calls to some names and some names said we're not interested. So you really talk to the people that are interested. And so the vetting process is a lot more due diligence, I guess, is done. And you're interviewing and you're seeing if you're right fit for not only the owners, but for the directors and for some of the staff that they're going to work with. And I'm appreciative of that fact to begin with. And then I look at the sporting side of the house and I go, Mauricio Pochettino, took an average Tottenham side, and honestly, most Tottenham sides are very average. I I mean that with (laughs) no respect to Tottenham whatsoever. But you've seen many a classic Chelsea manager go there and win nothing, which tells you that that's what their footballing heritage is. But you've seen Mauricio Pochettino take them from a mid-table team to a Champions League final and maybe even close to winning a league, which tells me he's taken something out of nothing and made something. 
the pieces that are difficult for me, Rahul, is maybe the the final step of winning something. And yes, he ultimately does that with PSG, but that's an automatic. The last positive I'll give him is that while he was at PSG, there wasn't too many rumblings of the superstars being unhappy. So for one way or the other, he found a way to manage them. I'm sure there's always going to be an unhappy superstar here or there, but that tells me he's got a way with people and man management. So overall, not my first choice. I honestly couldn't tell you who my first choice would be, to be very fair to Maurizio, but he's coming in now. I'm excited for what the future holds. I'm glad that the club is letting him go to the end of season. Initially, I thought it would be great to have him, but I think... With the amount of players we have, with the negativity around the club, I think he needs a full summer and a preseason to get this team under control. I, I think those are some good points that you touched on. And uh, from what was available, with the experience that he has in the league, with the experience that he has working with the younger players, uh, I think it, it just makes sense. And hopefully we give him the time, we back him, we let him do the things that he wants to do. Uh, like Raheem said, like we've heard from some of the other players uh, let the manager have control, kind of let him do his thing, let him manage while you work with him to help him do his job better. And that's what you want from from the club. And uh, hopefully no more managerial changes because it just disrupts your season. You kind of have to step back and restart and, and start the process again. And uh, at this point, I'd really kind of like to start building something. And it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be we have to win trophies season after season right away. But if that's what we're we're aiming towards let's put the building blocks in place which i think pochettino can do and and will do and then we see where we go from there so uh once it's official i think we can touch on it a little bit more and maybe call in a couple of experts or people that may be a little bit closer to to the story and the way he plays but uh for now i think we're we're heading the right direction and uh once he comes in, we'll we'll see how that goes. But and just a just a quick thought on Pochettino Rahul, because I had alluded to this earlier. We were kind of building up to this segment. I think we can't confirm this for sure, but there is rumors and conversations of him maybe having some influence to begin with now in the dressing room. Maybe that's the reason you saw the likes of Mendy playing and you see the likes of Jao Felix coming back into the starting eleven because it's easy for him to say, I need to see what these guys are before a big summer sale comes along. Because maybe he wants to sign Zhao for another season, or maybe he says Mandy is my first choice and we don't have to go out and buy a goalkeeper. So I know Mandy doesn't do himself any favors here, but ultimately maybe he's kind of poking some buttons and saying, you guys are safe in the league. There's nothing to happen at this point. Show me what some of these other guys can do, and it will help me make a decision for for player transfers in the summer. And again, you said it's unconfirmed. We we all absolutely have no... Uh, idea or any kind of you know information that this is true but if it is i think it's smart i think it's a good way to to analyze and watch these players in real time of course it's going to be a little bit different because once there's a new manager in the building right players pick it up uh, but i'm hoping he's had calls he's had conversations and and just interacted with the players maybe through messaging or or just through the phone but at least been in touch with some of the guys that he knows are obviously going to be there. You think of an Enzo, you think of Thiago Silva, uh, and kind of let them know what he's thinking, similar to what we've heard Cesc Fabregas say about Conte, who did that when he was coming in. So uh, right. obviously there's a lot of things happening in the background that we're not aware of, but maybe we do get glimpses of it on the pitch that we can pick up on. Uh, but I think that that is a good point, Jackie. But let's move on to Manchester City this weekend. 
And playing Manchester City away, especially under Pep Guardiola, is tough. But now playing them for them to basically win the league is a mission impossible for Chelsea to get anything out of this. It seems to be the trajectory we're going in, right? We go from a win to a draw and maybe (laughs) potentially we're going to lose this game. But it's a tough, tough challenge, I think. Pep has found a way to rotate his squad fantastically. And the only silver lining I can think of, Rahul, is he's going to play all his superstars. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. He's going to play all his superstars for the Wednesday game against Madrid, and that's going to be incredible. But I I don't know how this is going to play out (laughs) and who's going to be on the pitch. But I'm not expecting too much. I think they've found a way to come back and go on an incredible run. They, They definitely have. And you mentioned Frank Lampard ball. This is where it will really be tested because I'm sure Man City will score. I don't know how many will score, so that that's really the <laughs> test of, of Frank Lampard ball. Uh, but no, look, I think it's a home game for Man City, so that already adds pressure. It's a game where they could seal the title and not have yeah. some of the drama that they've had in the last few seasons of the last day. And like you said, there's a, a game that they play against Real Madrid if that goes south, which could be like the final nail in Chelsea's coffin, you almost <laughs> know that they're going to come out and, and just be on fire. And Holland has already broken the record, but he hasn't scored against Chelsea. So that's, I'm sure, playing on his mind as well. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a game where I don't think ultimately we'll, we'll really get anything out of it. Man City are going to dominate on and off the ball. Uh, and... I just hope it's not the 6-0 thumping that we got a few seasons ago on the sorry. Uh, hopefully they'll feel sorry for us <laughs> uh, once they've kind of cleared it up. But I, I, look, I, I don't mean to be all doom and gloom, but it's just the reality of the way things are. Uh, so let's get into maybe a starting 11. Does Mendy continue? Does Kepa come back? Do neither of them kind of say they're fit and ready for this game? <laughs> look, I, I think... I would like to see Kepa in goal. I think ultimately, for me personally, he's a better football player with his feet. I think Mendy might be a better shot stopper, but if we're evaluating new age football and what Chelsea might be progressing to, he's the right guy to play goal. I do have to say, a positive of playing Mendy is he didn't concede a screamer, which we have been (laughs) conceding prior to him coming into the squad. No, I'm I'm only kidding. I think we saw what we had to see from Mendy I think Kepa does come back for this one. Yep, and I think Frank sticks with a four-three-three. There's no reason to change. The team has gone on a one, a win and a draw, and has scored goals. I mean, we have so many goal of this of the month contenders that we've not <laughs> seen in a long time. So for me, he sticks with a four-three-three. So back four, Rahul, is it kind of picking itself at this point based on the injuries? I think so. I believe Fofana is back, but okay. again, I don't know if he's ready or this is the game you bring him back in. Yeah, maybe you don't want to rush him right back into a City <laughs> game. So it's there's pretty much the same back four we saw against Nottingham. So Chaloba, Silva, Barishile, and Lewis Hall. So good for the young man to continue playing. Uh, midfield three, Kovacic is out, obviously. Enzo starts. Gallagher seems to have found his feet under Frank Lampard. So Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming into the middle? I think so. I think that's a natural, natural replacement. Okay, and the front three, we have a lot of options, Rahul, but Marueke might keep his position based on how well he's been doing. Who leads the line and who's playing the other side of the wing? Is Raheem coming back to Manchester City? I think he is. Uh, I think he pays off of the two goals. I think he plays, and I do think Kai Havertz comes back into into the starting 11 as the center forward. 
But again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Jao Felix. Yeah, look, I think whoever starts in the front line, it doesn't really matter at this point as long as they're willing to work hard, run, because we know what Manchester City bring to the table. Absolutely. And another positive, Jackie, that we've seen this week is Mason Mount is back on the grass. So maybe he'll be in the squad, maybe not in the 11, but in the squad for this game. And if not, maybe for the final two games of the season. Um, I'm going to have to ask you for a prediction here. It would be nice to just leave the recording at this point in time and <laughs> leave it be unknown because I think I've seen some good in the last couple of games and I've seen that we can find a way to score. And honestly, Rahul, we scored against teams that have been very tight and very well defensive. Manchester City will be a little bit open, so I think we will be able to find a goal against them. So that's one for us. But ultimately, I think City will be too powerful. So maybe 3-1 to Manchester City. One. I'm actually trying to look up the last time they kept a clean sheet in the league. And actually, that was against West Ham on May 3rd, so never mind. Um, they do have that in, in, in their most recent game. So, um, no, I, I think I agree with you. I think Man City score at least three, and hopefully that's where it ends. They, they feel they have to in, uh, enforce the mercy rule. Uh, but I don't <laughs> think we, we, we get any. So I'm going to go for a 3 nil to Man City. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a tough game. But from my perspective, and I think from most Chelsea fans' perspective, at this point, it's not about winning. It's more about seeing the players actually try and string together some good football. And we're trying to see who's going to stay and what we can build on for next season is really what it is. Absolutely. And it's just one of those where you don't want it to affect morale and, and positivity that's come in in the last couple of games. So hopefully we can keep it tight. I think we we kind of resigned to what's coming, but uh, we'll we'll have to kind of watch and see how it goes on the weekend. Uh, Jackie, we said they can win the title. They'll be winning the title for a third time in a row. They're doing their own three-peat uh, of a sense. Uh, seen a few comments, seen a few content creators say that the Premier League is turning into a farmer's league based on how Man City just easily dominate and, and could be 10 points behind at the midway point and by the end be cruising and, and winning it with a couple of games to spare. What are your thoughts on that comment? Manchester City have assembled a fabulous squad. I think there's no denying that. And then you look at their bench and you say that bench strolls into 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 teams is first 11, right? So I don't think it's turning into a farmer's league. I think the qualities of such a level that Manchester City have taken into the next level. But let's not disrespect the likes of Liverpool, who have come back and coming into the top four soon. Newcastle building something amazing. Arsenal, they bottled the league. But Rahul, this time last year, are we saying Arsenal's top of the league for 15, 16, 17 weeks? No. So Chelsea is the only anomaly, and Manchester United have done well as well. So I think there's enough teams in the league that make it competitive and make it exciting. Can we build on it for next season and see the likes of Newcastle go into that title race and Chelsea potentially going to the title race. I'm not sure, but I don't think it's a farmer's league. I just think City have built an amazing squad. Not only that, they've got one of the most smart, smartest managers out there that adjusts his squad and rotates really, really well to figure out when to do things. So I'm still a big fan of the Premier League, maybe not the Premier League referees, but overall, I think it's been a fantastic advert for the Premier League every week, week in, week out. I, and I agree with you. I think maybe if you look at just who keeps winning the title, sure, you can make the argument that, that Man City just kind of cruise and, and make it easy. 
But you touched on Liverpool. I think they've won it once out of the last five times. So, yeah, sure, again, you can say that's not good enough. But they've pushed them to the end. 97 points for Liverpool, 98 points for Liverpool, and they still haven't won it. And a Farmers League, to me, would be somewhere where a team just wins it with 15, 18 points to spare. Uh, and that's not happening. Maybe it does happen in a season or two here and there, but that's not happening. And and that's what you want to see is the, is the competitiveness. You want to see the season where you're going to have Newcastle most likely in the yeah. top four. You're going to have Brighton finishing in the Europa League spot. You're going to have Aston Villa pushing up uh, and most likely finishing ahead of a Tottenham and definitely a Chelsea. So that's what you want to see is the competitiveness. And I think from that aspect, it's definitely not a Farmers League. It's most likely... The, the most competitive league in, in the world, which is what you want, and that which is why players, managers want to come here and, and show what they can do. So, um, I, I don't and, and really... listen in, in the last decade, five different teams have won the Premier League that's Manchester City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, and magical Leicester City have come in there as well. I think if you look at other leagues, and I, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, so don't quote me, but your German league is most likely a couple. Your Spanish league is most likely a couple. Your French league is probably one team if PSG has not lost one, maybe to Lille, I think. And you look at maybe Portugal, you look at some of the other leagues, you're not getting five different winners. And you're not getting leagues that go down to the last there. I remember the Liverpool versus Manchester City seasons of past where they're pushing each other to 100 points, one, two points of each other. So I'm not trying to protect the Premier League, but it's just got a quality that I don't think any other league has. And and that's a great stat. I think um, you, you, what you shared, it helps point towards the fact that there are other teams that can win it. What Man City have done, though, in the last five, six years is they've set the, the standard for consistency. And basically, you, you nearly have to have a perfect Premier League season to knock them off their perch. And and that's the challenge, I think, for Chelsea, but also for the rest of the clubs in, in, the, in the league is how do you consistently achieve those those standards? And that's why the, the clubs pay the managers the big bucks. They pay the pay, players the big bucks to to perform and, and knock Man City. And it's a challenge, right? And I think play, teams like ours should take that on and say, let's push them. Let's see how far we can we can go. Uh, and that way we're not looking at Arsenal as the, the, the team that finishes or is challenging for the title and, and it may be Chelsea. But... Uh, no, I, I just want to get your thoughts on that. But that wraps it up, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chelsea on all podcast providers. And while you're there, why don't you drop us a review, uh, drop us a comment. Let's engage and, and get some exposure with other fans. Uh, and we will be back, and I don't know if we want to be back, Jackie, to talk about a Man City review and then a Man United preview. Uh, so we're going to be focused fully in Manchester, but maybe we'll come back and just talk about the women who are, who are going to be playing in uh, the WSL. Uh, but we will be back. Until then, stay safe and up to Chels. Hey, guys. The Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top-quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. 
Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.